Think with me about noise, about the cacophony, the loud noise from a crowd of people, but, but also think with me about silence, about quietness, about being accused, about being uh, wrongly spoken of, and to never say a word. The texts that Pastor Brad uh, just read really emphasize uh, those couple things. Matthew twenty-seven fourteen. He answered them not a word. Or First Peter two, where it says, "When Jesus was reviled, he reviled not in return. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously." There was a point at which Jesus was never speechless. Jesus was never slow of speech when he could bless the sons of men, when he would not even then finally say a single word for himself. When questioned by his murderous opponents, Jesus always had the right answer for them. There are several occasions late in the Gospels, just before the Passion Week of, uh, of Christ, that Jesus engages in conversation, answers and questions back and forth. When asked by the authority, uh, by the authorities, what authority do you have to cleanse the temple? Uh, that Monday following his entry into Jerusalem, uh, Jesus gave, well, I'll answer you if you answer me a question first. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they were brought to silence. Then again, the Jews asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And, and Jesus knows that if he answers no, then he could be arrested by the Romans for his fomenting insurrection. He answers rather by taking a coin which bore Caesar's image. And he said, here's what we ought to do. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And in that, the people who have questioned him marvel, and they are silenced again. An expert in, in arguments, in logic, then steps forward ready to put Jesus on the, the horns of a dilemma. If a man dies with no children, and then his brother marries his widow, but he dies too without an heir, and all the way down to the seventh brother, uh, this widow married to seven men consecutively, but having no children, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? They think they've got Jesus now. But Jesus replied, God is not the God of the dead, but rather the God of the living. And again, his accusers are put into silence. A learned lawyer then steps forward and asks Jesus, which of the commandments of all of the Old Testament is the greatest of all. And Jesus responds by quoting what is known as the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. He, he calls for love of God and love of fellow humanity, noting that all of the law and the prophets, all of the other commands really hinge upon those two commands. Jesus then even steps forward with his own question. How can David, by the Spirit, call uh, his son, Lord, uh, that he was the son of David, Jesus, that was unquestioned. How can he, a son, be greater unless he is God? Again, uh, Jesus' opposition is utterly confounded and they are silent before him. Yet further does Jesus 
scathingly rebuke the Pharisees and the scribes, and he pronounces woe upon them in their hypocrisy, their pride, and their blindness, uh, their sin. He says, the blood of the prophets that you've put to death, that blood cries out against you. So Jesus does speak clearly. They oppose him, or I might even say, we oppose him, we sin, we display iniquity, we rebel, we are blind to our being apart from God, blind to who Jesus is and what he came to do. Jesus, you see, came as the eternal Son of God, made flesh in order not only that he might live as a human being, but ultimately that he might die at Calvary to pay for my sin. He came to give us life. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, however, was silent. Sinners, you see, are silent before God's majestic holiness. It was a while ago that we studied the book of Romans chapter 3 and he describes all humanity, he describes me, he describes every person living now and every person who has ever lived. He says there's none righteous, no not one, there's none that understand, there are none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable, there is none that does good, no not one. He then in various ways, very descriptive ways, describes exactly how utterly sinful we are. That, that text of scripture ends at verse 19 where Paul writes, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and all the world held accountable to God. All the world silent as sinners. So, the Savior, Jesus Christ, becoming sin for us at Calvary, now standing before the, the magistrates, the authorities who would put him to death, he is silent. For sinners may say, sinners can say nothing in their defense before God who is holy. The only things that sinners can do is accept God's wrath in silence. How could he respond to male factors hanging with him who early on both accused him and mocked him? How could he respond to Romans and Jews alike who derided his claims? If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. He was now a sinner, our sin being placed upon him, numbered as a transgressor. Paul even says he became sin for us. So when you see Christ on the cross of Calvary, see him as the silent, suffering Savior. He is now a sinner. All of the sin of humanity being imputed upon him, and thus all of the wrath that all humanity deserves. One wrote of this text, Never man spoke like this, and never a man was silent like him. Was this singular silence the index of his perfect self-sacrifice? Did it show that he would not utter a word to stay the slaughter of his sacred person? 
He had dedicated this as an offering for us. He had so entirely surrendered himself that he would not interfere on his own behalf, even in the manifest degree, but be bound and be slain as an unstruggling, uncomplaining, silent victim. Was this silence a type of the defenselessness of sin? Nothing can be said that would ever excuse the human guilt. He who bore it in the whole weight of it stood speechless before God as judge. Is not patient silence the best response uh, to a world that would say, throw that sin off from yourself, but calm endurance is the answer to those questions asked. Evidently, our Lord, by his silence, he makes a remarkable fulfillment of prophecy. A long defense of him would have been contrary to the prophecy given by Isaiah. He is led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By his quiet, he conclusively proved that he would indeed be the Lamb of God. As such, we honor him today. We worship him for, in his silence, he is becoming sin for us. He, he is accepting the full wrath of God upon himself. Now, he is silent, but there's also shouting. There was considerable shouting at Golgotha. You'll remember even from the texts that we've read earlier, the Jewish crowd shouting, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Or the Lord's final words on the cross when gathering himself with all of the might remaining in his body, he rises on the cross one final time and says, it is finished. You might hear the earthquakes thunder shout of achievement the veil being torn in two from top to bottom saints being raised from the grave rocks being split by god the father's voice in creation there is further resurrection resurrection shout uh, paul gives that in the latter part of the resurrection chapter when he quotes Old Testament scripture, and he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? So this Easter morning, a, a very different Easter morning, unlike really any Easter morning we've ever experienced. We, we bow in utter silence before God knowing that he alone is holy, he is just, he is pure. He is of holy eyes that cannot even look upon our sin and bring us into his presence, but also see the silent suffering Savior, who when he took upon himself our sin, uh, literally did not open his mouth. When he reviled he did not revile again when he suffered he threatened not he committed himself to god the father in that he would bear the wrath we deserve at calvary 
We bow in silence before a Savior who not only was silent, but also gave the shout of victory. We bow in silent belief and worship before this silent, shouting Savior, Jesus Christ. So perhaps with eyes wide open or with eyes closed, I would like you to pray a prayer that you'll see on your screen as a way of giving honor and worship and glory to our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we are silent before you. Let us hear the silence of your love, the silence that fulfilled your eternal plan for your Son to pay for our sins in silence. Help us, Father, to understand the incredible magnitude of the love of Christ, to know its height, its length, its width. Your love for us is infinite. Sinner, so we adore you, our sovereign, redeeming God. In silence, we believe that Christ died for us, ungodly people. Our words barely suffice to express our joy in Jesus. We depend upon the death and resurrection of Jesus to pay fully for our sins, believing that you are both just and the justifier of us who believe. The surrender of our lives to you as living sacrifices is our reasonable act of adoration. Our enjoyment of redeeming grace overflows to praise, not merely expressing our joy, but completing it. We ponder your mercy and grace in our hearts. We are silent yet rejoicing before you, for we have put our trust in you, in Jesus' infinite, wonderful name we pray. Amen.